the Chicago Marathon is coming up, and the marathon, uh, it, it's the distance it is, mm-hmm. because historically, you know, this dude named Pheidippides ran back from the Battle of Marathon. <laughs> that's a, that's a great Athens, name, isn't it? Pheidippides. Yeah, Pheidippides. Pheidippides. Noted. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Write but, that one down. Yeah. And you put it on the list of uh, trendy baby names for 2020. <laughs> You're listening to the Pastors Cut, a podcast from Park Community Church in Chicago. Every time a pastor prepares a sermon, there's all kinds of material that influences, shapes, and informs, but gets cut from the final preach. That's why we started The Pastor's Cut, to give you a chance to go behind the scenes and access the content that informs the teaching at Park each week. If you're wanting to grow in your understanding of the Bible, dive deeper into spiritual formation practices, and hear practical applications to stuff you've got going on in your life, you've come to the right place. This is The Pastor's Cut, and we're your hosts, Sharon Brandis and Trevor Lovell. Hey, everyone. Welcome to our first episode of Season 2. Trevor and I are joined with our guest today. We have Jamie Borchik, who is on the teaching team at our South Rogers Park location. And he also works for Athletes in Action as a part of his career. And I know, and I'm sure Trevor does too, but I've heard your name in faith stories of people coming to faith Mm of Jamie Borchick and Athletes in Action, and he preached the gospel to me, and I put my faith in Jesus, so we're glad to have you back again. Yeah, it's great to be here. Thanks for having me, Sharon and Trevor. Yeah, absolutely. Jamie, I was curious about something. Athletes in Action, so, I mean, you deal with athletes all the day. Has that been difficult, not really having much of an athletic background? <laughs> <laughs> it's funny, Trevor. I think, I think we've played basketball together before. Do you remember what happened when, when we did that? Uh, I think uh, it, was a, it was a while ago. So. It was a wash. Okay. Was, you know, in, you know I, the, with, with guys I work with, with students I work with, I always tell them, there's a lot of stuff I can disciple you in mm-hmm. you know, in life, but there's some things I can only disciple you in on the basketball court. Yeah. So I got to get guys on the court and make sure that they, they learn yeah. some of the things I taught you when we played. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Spiritual discipline. Yes. Fair. Yes. Dealing with defeat and yeah. all of that. Yes. Yes. Humility. Yeah. yeah. All yeah. Good things for the spiritual life. Yes. <laughs> yes. So we want to get to know each of our guests a little bit better this uh, season of the Pastor's Cut. And so we're going to incorporate a question that tells us a little bit about you and your knowledge, if you will, about the city. So, Jamie, what is your favorite restaurant in Chicago and what neighborhood is it in? Yeah. Um, so we, uh, my wife and I love this place, this Thai restaurant called Sticky Rice. Mm-hmm. It's not fancy. Um, it's at Western and Irving Park. Uh, we were turned on to it by Rafe and Sarah Chenery, actually, because they ah. like lived in Thailand for a period, and that was their favorite Thai spot in the city. So we just went on a date there uh, earlier this week, and nice. yeah, we love sticky rice. Great spot. I need to remember that. Yeah. My fiance and I are going to Thailand on our honeymoon, so when we get back, ah. when we want Thai sticky food, rice. sticky rice. Yeah, apparently it's the most authentic, best in the city. That's awesome. So To try that out. Yeah. I'm no expert, but I like mm-hmm. it. Cool. All right. So, Jamie, you preached at South Rogers Park this weekend, opened up our new series through the Book of Romans. Can you give us just a quick recap of what the sermon was? Yeah. So, uh, Romans 1, 1 through 15 is Paul's introduction to the letter to the Romans. And um, in the letter, uh, what he, the major theme of Romans is the gospel. Um, it's all about the gospel. Uh, Paul's um, and, and so, in this introduction, he kind of lays out what the gospel is, and then two things the gospel does uh, that set the stage for the whole book of Romans. And, and what the gospel is, it's good news. 
um, it's it's news uh, about things that have happened. And the particular news here is news about Jesus. It's it's more a who than it is a what. Um, it's news about Jesus who put on a body, who incarnated, stepped out of heaven into history, um, lived on earth, died on the cross, and then resurrected, came back to life. And that happened historically. It's it's news. It's not advice. It's not telling us, hey, here's what you need to do, but it's news. And so Paul uh, kind of lays out that gospel. And then in the rest of it, you see... Um, these two things the gospel does. And the first one is the gospel calls us. It calls us to the lordship of Jesus. He identifies Jesus as the Lord Jesus Christ several times in the text. And Jesus is Lord um, because he won the victory, because he defeated Satan, sin, and death. He's Lord of all. Mm -hmm. And so it calls us to acknowledge him as Lord, to come belong to him, to the obedience of faith um, where where we follow him with our lives. And then um, the second thing he does is the gospel then, after it calls us, it sends us sends us out on mission to proclaim the gospel everywhere to all people everywhere. Mm -hmm. Um, You see that in Paul's life and you see it in uh, just in his heart. Like he wants to go to Rome to this big city so he can preach the gospel there. Mm -hmm. And and that's what the gospel does when it gets a hold of us. It calls us to Jesus and then it sends us out on mission for Mm -hmm. him. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. Even even working that that um, understanding of being sent into our everyday life, you know, like some like we don't have to be doing ministry work over in in an unreached place in order to be like, we're all sent, we're all yeah. engaged on mission, both locally and, and what God is doing globally in both of those ways. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah like I, I have a, there's a, a friend who's a, a member at our Lincoln Park locations and it's mm-hmm. Pat Kanicki and yeah. uh, PK, he, he talks about how he and I have, mm-hmm. um, uh, we, we have the same job, but we were different uniforms to work. Yeah. Now, he works yeah. in finance, you yeah. know, and I work in ministry he says, you know, we have the same job. We're both sent on the same mission, even though we wear different uniforms when we show up at work. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. So what was the first thing that was cut from your sermon this week? Yeah, so the first thing I cut was a little more, I shared some of this in the sermon, but but a little more the backstory on Romans. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we often think about Romans as kind of this theological treatise that dropped down out of the sky. Mm-hmm. Uh, like it's a systematic theology book that Paul wrote so we can know all mm-hmm. the right answers to all the hard questions that people are gonna ask. Mm-hmm. And Romans has really rich theology, but Romans is a letter. Mm -hmm. It's a letter written to a particular place in a particular context for a particular purpose. And the context in Rome, um, the the church in Rome is is unique among the New Testament churches in that it wasn't planted by one of the apostles. Um, So Paul had never been there. Peter had never been there. It wasn't started by by anyone who was sent to go do it. It was started by... um, Jews who had traveled to Jerusalem for Pentecost on the first Pentecost after the resurrection. Mm -hmm. And so in Acts chapter two, Luke tells us the story about that Pentecost and Peter's preaching a sermon in Jerusalem. Mm -hmm. And he says, there are Jews there along with Gentile converts to Judaism um, from Rome who are in Jerusalem who heard the gospel there. They They hear that good news about Jesus and they go back to Rome and they start spreading it within the synagogues there. And so it's kind of a Jewish Christians um, making more Jewish Christians in Rome within the synagogues. And what happened then is as the gospel spread throughout the synagogues, um, it led to division, just like what had happened with Jesus in Jerusalem. There's this controversy over, is Jesus the Messiah? And it starts with conflict and it ultimately turned into a series of riots in Rome that led to uh, a couple times in 41 AD and then again in 49 AD, the emperor Claudius expelled the Jews from Rome. He just kicks them out of the city. And the one in 49 AD, he kicks all of them out of the city. Um, mm-hmm. And so all the Jews leave yeah. um, and what's left are the Gentile converts, Gentiles who believed in Jesus. And when the Jews leave, the Gentiles kind of take over the church and this network of churches takes on a more Gentile character. Mm-hmm. 
Five years later, the ban is lifted and the Jews can come back to Rome. And when they return, they show up at this church that used to be theirs and it doesn't feel mm -hmm. like theirs anymore. Um, and so there's this kind of cultural clash between the Jews and the Gentiles over what is, what is, this, what is this gospel do to us? How do you, how do you follow Jesus as a, mm -hmm. as a Christian when you're Jewish and you're a Gentile? And that, um, that conflict is what's going on. That's kind of the backstory on Paul writing this letter. And Paul is this you know, Jew who became a follower of Jesus, but has been a missionary for 25 years to Gentiles. And he cares about both sides of this conflict. Yeah. And he sees this church in Rome, the biggest city in the world, in this global mm -hmm. city. And he says, wow, look at all the potential here, man. Like if they can get it, if they can get their stuff together and be on the same page, God could use them to make an impact in the whole world. Mm -hmm. you know? mm -hmm. so, so he wants to write into that situation to promote uh, this idea of kind of missional unity, like get the Jews and Gentiles together on mission so yeah. the gospel can go forward from them to the whole world. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's, man, that's fascinating. Even thinking that that's how this <clears throat> letter came into being. Yeah. This letter, letter that's been so influential. Yeah. That there's kind of this backdrop and what's going on in Rome that you could miss really easily. Yeah. Uh, it's just, it's interesting seeing how the writings come into play uh, originally, and then how God continues to use them throughout the history of the church. It's, mm -hmm. yeah. it's fascinating. And yeah. even the current history of the church in Chicago, you say that Rome was the biggest city back then. Chicago is a very large city. And um, I still think there's some division among churches here. And so back then you had the Jews and the Gentiles that both have their own churches. And Chicago has culturally homogenous churches. So what does Romans tell us about that? And then how does ultimately the gospel unite us back together? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think what Romans tells us is that the gospel is for all people everywhere. Um, even in chapter one, Paul talks about like his heart is to go to the the Greeks and the barbarians, the mm -hmm. wise and the foolish. Like he's saying everybody, the civilized, the uncivilized, the the mm -hmm. educated, the uneducated, the rich, the poor, the black, the white, the whoever. I mean, everybody. Mm -hmm. And um yeah, you know, there, there's a long history to, I mean, Chicago is one of the most segregated cities in America. A lot of that has been by design historically. Mm -hmm. um, and, and the church for, for better or worse is often, mostly for worse, has, has generally tended to just reflect the status quo of society on yeah. those kind mm -hmm. of issues. But what's really radical, like if you look at the end of Romans where Paul is is mentioning people, like he's listing people from all over the world who who, who are part of this church community. Yeah. Um, and, and as you look at the whole sweep of, of the Bible, um, like a lot, the, the characters in the Bible are not um, white European characters. Right. You know, yeah. like the, the characters in the mm -hmm. Bible are African and Middle Eastern. Mm -hmm. You know, like eventually you get to some people who are, who are you know, Southern European, but uh, like Jesus wasn't a white dude with yeah. long blonde hair. You know, like mm -hmm. he wasn't Swedish. Um, sometimes <laughs> we, we picture him that way. Like that's not, that's not who Jesus was. Like he, he right. was a dark skinned Middle Eastern man. Mm -hmm. And um, and I think we need to remember that as as we uh, engage in ministry in the city and, and at Park, you know, Park started in Lincoln Park. It's largely been homogenous for most of its history. Um, but if we're if we're serious about reaching the whole city, um, we we need to remember God's heart for everybody. Mm -hmm. um, and, and really, one of the things Romans gets to later is uh, you know in the kind of last few chapters, Paul talks about the strong and the weak and talking about kind of laying down your privilege and laying down your rights for the sake of, of this missional unity. Mm -hmm. And within our churches, like if, if, if we come into church with the expectation, this church is gonna be my culture and it's going to, like I'm here as a consumer where I need my needs to get met. Mm -hmm. Like we're gonna have really homogenous churches and we're not gonna reach the whole city. Yeah. But yeah. if we go in with the mentality, no, I'm here for the sake of the mission 
and I'm willing to li- like sometimes the music isn't going to be my particular genre. Like it's, it's not going to be Chris Tomlin every Sunday. Like I'm, I'm (laughs) going to, I'm going to listen to some, some other styles and I'm going to appreciate this and I'm going to learn to engage with other cultures. Like, wow. If if we can figure that out, what a beautiful testimony that would be to our world and to our city. Yeah. Mm -hmm. What's the next thing that got cut from your sermon? Yeah. So the second thing that I cut, um, that the kind of second thing the gospel does is it sends us out on mission and what I what I did talk about was I, I kind of um, uh, got on my soapbox a little bit about mm-hmm. my uh, a, a quote that I really have a problem with the preach the gospel always use words when necessary. Um, mm. Maybe heard that before, but yeah. like the gospel is words, and so if we're going to preach the gospel, we need to use words. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's, it's news. Like you can't communicate news without words. Yeah. Um, and, and so I, I kind of talked about that, but w- the one thing I cut and didn't share mm-hmm. was. Um, there's this awesome video that I saw a few years ago. I think about a lot of the time, a, a lot. It's um, so Penn Jillette is a, a comedian. Um, he has a Vegas show, Penn and Teller, um, and you know, funny guy. Uh, yeah. But but in his personal life, he's an atheist. And and on um, YouTube, you can find all sorts of videos of him, you know, ripping on Christianity in particular, talking about mm-hmm. how the Bible is totally bogus. Um, you know, mm-hmm. he's he's not a fan of Christianity, and um. There's there's this one segment, this video you can find if, if you look it up. It's his kind of personal journal, like video journal. And yeah. he tells this story of after one of his shows, this fan came up to him and handed him a Bible and said, Hey, I just feel like God wanted me to give this to you. Like I, I don't know, I don't know your religious background, but but like I feel like God wanted me to give this to you. And so here's this atheist, this kind of antagonistic atheist even, mm-hmm. talking about this person trying to engage him in sharing the gospel and doing evangelism with him. Yeah. And what he says is, is so convicting and challenging, I think, for all of us. Mm-hmm. He says, you know, like, I don't, this is what Penn Jillette says. He says, I, I don't agree with that guy's religion. And, and I, you know, like, I'm, I'm probably not going to read the book he gave me even. Mm-hmm. But I respect him so much for taking the initiative to come give that to me. Because look, like if you if you really believe what this guy believes, if you really believe that, that like there's a truck barreling down on me and I'm mm-hmm. gonna hit and you don't push me out of the way, how much do you have to hate me not not to take the initiative? Mm-hmm. You know, like and, and like if you really believe that Jesus is the way to salvation, if you really yeah. believe that Jesus is the one who who won the victory for us and and who stopped God's wrath coming against like and you're not gonna tell people about that, how how much do you have to hate them not to communicate that message? Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I think, yeah. yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I think, I think about that story a lot as I you know, think about friends that I want to, I want to know Christ and like, yeah, it can be awkward. It can be, you know, evangelism can be, um, can be scary to, to engage in, but man, mm-hmm. like if I love people, like that's news they need to hear that like Jesus won the battle for us. He, he's that mm-hmm. the good news. Like I need to announce that to people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What does that practically look like? Like I think of, my family that at some point or another, I've tried to share the good news as the only believer in my family or even with Uber drivers or I live in a high rise. And so I have a front desk. Trevor used to live in my high rise. So we know some of the same people at the front desk, but um, how do do we share our faith with them? How do we share the, the gospel knowing that man, how much do I have to hate this person to not get them out of the way of this truck coming at them? Yeah. Or how much do I, not even, for someone that I don't know, not necessarily hate, but how much do I not care about another human? Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, like, well, so um, I think what stops us in evangelism a lot of the time is um, 
one, we, we don't know how to do it. Like, mm-hmm. I think most of our, yeah. m- most followers of Christ, like we, we generally sincerely want people to know Christ, yeah. but we're, we're afraid of it being awkward or uncomfortable or offending someone. And we don't really know how to do it. And so, yeah. um, what I, what I generally do, um, I want to ask a lot of questions. Um, I think with family, you, you mentioned your family, Sharon, and with family in particular, like it's a long game. I mean, you're mm-hmm. looking at like people that you're in, it's different when you're talking about like the Uber driver, you've got 15 minutes in a, in a truck mm-hmm. with them or whatever, like with your family, we're 30 years, 50, like, you know, so, so it's a little slightly different approach, but in both cases, um, asking good questions and really listening mm-hmm. is, is the number one strategy you want to employ. Like you want to, yeah people like to talk about themselves. And if you'll ask them good questions, generally they'll open up. Yeah. And so I'll ask questions like, um, you know, in the context of a relationship and the flow of conversation, I'll, you know, kind of drop some hints like, hey, I go to this church or, you know, talk about the importance of my faith in my life. And I'll use that as a segue to then ask a question like, do you have any kind of spiritual background? Um, mm. I'll ask, uh, do you have any kind of current belief in God? What's mm. been your experience with Christians? Mm. You know, what, what yeah. do you think? What do you think about the church? Yeah, you know, just asking those kind of questions, to try to get into a spiritual conversation. And as I ask those questions, I'm kind of using uh, a stoplight in my mind. Yeah. Um, you know, red lights, yellow lights, green lights. Mm-hmm. You know, some people you ask a question and they just kind of shoot it down and they they. Reject. And it's like, okay, I want to be sensitive to that. Like, you don't want to talk about this, okay? Mm-hmm. A lot of the time, what you get are kind of yellow lights, where yeah. you know it's it's hard to tell and and like. That they give something, but they you know they're not going all in yet, and so I want to ask some more follow up questions. Just want to continue the conversation, and then sometimes you get green lights, mm-hmm. and sometimes the yellow lights turn into green lights. And when you get green lights, like that's where you want to jump all in, and you you know it gives you an opportunity to share Christ with them and and mm-hmm. see see where it goes from there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's a really helpful way of looking at it. Uh, I like I can look at even at my my own story, and can see that it was um, <clears throat> it was red lights for a long time. And then I went through a particular season in life where it was uh, yellow lights when, with these conversations where it was kind of open, but didn't really want to jump in. Um, and that was a course of probably like six or seven months. And then all of a sudden, uh, one day in particular, it was a kind of a green light conversation. And that was the, one of my coworkers started sharing um, about faith w- with me and ways that God had worked in his life, his own story and sharing the gospel and uh, it was the result of him taking advantage of that green light um, and other be- other people being faithful with the yellow lights that I'm here today that I, yeah. You know, yeah. And so mm-hmm. uh, that's a really helpful way of looking at it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think that's true for all of us. Like we're, we're sitting around, mm-hmm. we're sitting here having this conversation because somebody, mm-hmm. at, you know, entered, entered through those stoplights into our lives and shared with us. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. So did anything else get cut? Yeah. The, the last thing, um, you know, the last verse of the text we have this week is Romans one fifteen, and Paul says, so I am eager to preach the gospel to you also who are in Rome. And what's interesting about that is uh, we, we know Paul wanted to go to Rome to preach to all the non-Christians in Rome, but he's writing this letter to Christians. He's saying, I want to come preach the gospel to you as well. Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes we have this mentality that the gospel is for non-Christians. Like the gospel is the entry point into Christianity and then it stops there. It's like the front door and then you leave it. Mm -hmm. Um, But what Paul's saying here is no, the gospel is for Christians too. 
And, and the reality, you know, as you look at the whole of the New Testament, is the gospel is for believers and non-believers. It's not just the the front door, but it's the whole house. It's not just the the mm-hmm. letter A in the Christian alphabet. It's the A through Z. Mm-hmm. Um, as mm-hmm. I think Jackson likes to say, it's the whole shoot and match. You know, yeah. it's, it's the whole thing. Mm-hmm. And the gospel is how you enter into a relationship with God. The gospel is how you grow in a relationship with God. The gospel is what gets you to eternity with God. The gospel is the whole thing, and, and we yeah. need to hear the gospel too. Yeah. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we need to hear it every day. Yeah. Okay, that, so Jamie, let's get real. Yeah, um, get real with me, Sharon. Yes, Come on. <laughs> we know that the gospel is transformative, right? But you're saying we need to preach it to ourselves every day. So how did you teaching that to others this week personally impact you and maybe move something more from your head to your heart or just by preaching the gospel, it brought up something else that you need to remind yourself of through the gospel? Yeah, Probably my greatest ongoing uh, struggle in life is um, I am. Uh, so I grew up. My dad was a high school basketball coach, and um, from a very early age, I based my identity and my significance on my performance. Mm. So, as a basketball player, what did my dad think about me? What do the mm. fans think about me? What, yeah. what do what do the girls think about? Like I'm just mm-hmm. bu- building my identity on the verdicts that everyone else is rendering on me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, even now, as a as a dad, as a husband, um, as someone who you know people are looking at, like how's my performance in life? Like am I am I am I doing well or am I failing? And trying to you know I'm basing basing my identity on the verdicts and. Uh, when I preach on a Sunday and I'm standing in front of a few hundred people and I, I step down, like I want people to come up and say, Hey, that was great. Like you, you just Mm -hmm. changed my life. That was the best thing I've ever, like, I want to hear those things. Yeah. And, um, the, the, the gospel for me, man, preaching to myself that I am loved and accepted by God, not Mm -hmm. because of my performance. He -hmm. has accepted me because of Christ's performance. Um, and, and the verdicts, what everyone else says about me mm-hmm. doesn't matter. Even what I say about me, like my own verdict on me doesn't matter. The, ver- the only verdict that matters is, is that of God himself. And what he says is, look, court is adjourned. You know, like mm-hmm. the, the verdict is in, you are loved and accepted, you are mine. And mm-hmm. when I remember that, that gives me tremendous freedom and joy and confidence as I go through it. It gives me a humble confidence where like I, I can just walk through life with my head held, head held high, no matter what's going on, uh, mm-hmm. not because of what I'm doing or how well I'm doing or how poorly I'm doing, but because of what he has done and what he yeah. says is true. Amen. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, I can definitely resonate with that. The sense of like wanting to perform and finding your identity and your performance. And, and like the thing is you have bad days and you feel down, but then you have good days too. And it's easy to kind of feed into that on those yeah. days. But yeah, it can it can be like a roller coaster. Um, yeah, Sharon... I'm just kind of curious, what are some of the ways that you kind of see the gospel working itself out in, in your life in this way? Yeah. So first, it sounds like Jamie is an Enneagram 3, a performer. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a couple of those folks here on staff, but yeah. um, I am an Enneagram 2, which is a helper, mm-hmm. and my identity is not in the Enneagram test, everyone. My identity is <laughs> in the Lord, but I do resonate with a 2, and... Um, Preaching the gospel to myself and even God's promises to me back to Him um, just continually reminds me that my worth is not found in other people liking me or loving me, Mm -hmm. that um, I am worthy because 
I am a beloved child of God. I am a daughter of the King. Um, Mm -hmm. I am adopted into his family and I am um, just cherished by him. And my worth is uneven. My worth is uncountable by God. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that often is how I have to preach the gospel to myself of um, the negative talk inside my mind of even just thinking of my previous sin or even current issues that I'm dealing with, that I'm not identified by those and that doesn't determine my worth, but ultimately my worth is found in Jesus's sacrifice for my sin. And so just reminding myself of that is um, Hmm. just really good and helpful to keep the negative talk out of my mind. Yeah. What about you? Yeah, that's good stuff. What's your Um, Enneagram number? My Enneagram number is uh, 11. So it's a eleven. It'll get you home by seven. Okay. So. <laughs> I've never taken the enneagram, so I'm I'm lost in the sauce right now. Well, there's only one to nine, so he's lying. Okay. okay. There's yeah. no eleven. All right. Yeah, or right. eleven. My wife wants um, me to take it, so maybe I'll maybe I'll get on that. You've inspired me. Yeah. Yeah. I'm a child of God who identifies with a nine on the enneagram. Okay. okay. That's good. So, That's good. Yeah, but I would say yeah, it's helpful in thinking through how the gospel kind of intersects and what your kind of what your struggles are. Um, I would say, though, I I resonate uh, really similarly with you, Jamie. And then one of the practical ways that I try and, um, you know, we use this phrase, preach the gospel to yourself, uh, is is really journaling. That if I'm going through kind of a hard season or a difficult season, some things going on in life, um, taking some time to to journal and doing so prayerfully and just kind of working out, like... Why, what am I kind of feeling? What, what, what are my emotions in this season? Like sadness? Is it anger? Is it anxiousness? And kind of what's underneath that? Why am I feeling that? And trying to get clarity around that. But, um, but always bringing the gospel back into it and, and finding rooting in the gospel. Um, mm-hmm. And that, that's been a really, helpful, um, a really helpful thing for me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And I think the importance of that, you know, at Park, one of our mm-hmm. values is preaching the gospel every week. Mm-hmm. And whatever the text is, like we we're gonna preach the gospel consistently because we all need those reminders regularly, right? Yeah. So yeah, absolutely. Every day, because yeah. yeah. that Monday after church, yeah, it's like, what did I do yesterday? Yes, <laughs> amen. Oh, hello, sin. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, we have a question. We're a new segment. We're uh, jumping into brand new thing here with season two is uh, handling a listener question. So the one we have today is. Um, why as Christians do we have a tendency to focus so much on the bad, to talk about sin, uh, instead of just emphasizing, you know, the good news, the gospel? Why don't we just talk about uh, love and all of that? Why do we have to have both pieces, or why do we have to have the bad? Yeah, I think there are, uh, I'll answer that in in two ways. Um, One is because uh, the good news isn't good until you know uh, what what the bad news is. Hmm. Um, I think about with that, you know, the word gospel, we were talking about this earlier, it means good news. And, and yeah. one of the examples I gave in the sermon was actually, you know, the Chicago Marathon is coming up and the marathon, uh, it, it's the distance it is mm-hmm. because historically, you know, this dude named Pheidippides ran back from the Battle of Marathon. <laughs> That's, a, That's a great Athens, name. Isn't it? <laughs> yeah. You, know, you, can, you can yeah. name your, name your child, Yeah, Pheidippides. Pheidippides. Noted. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Write but, that um, one down. Yeah. And you put it on the list of uh, trendy baby names for 2020. <laughs> um, but uh, Pheidippides, you know, the, the Persian army was invading Greece. Yeah. And the Greeks in Athens are, are freaking out about this. Like, mm-hmm. we're going to get taken over by the mighty Persians. Yeah. And there's a battle at Marathon, which was mm-hmm. uh, about 25 miles away from Athens. Yeah. And the Greek army, against all odds, turned back the Persians. 
And so they sent Pheidippides running back to Athens to deliver the news, the good news, the battle had been won. Yeah. You know, like you don't have, you don't have to flee. You're free. You're, you're going to mm-hmm. live. You're, you, hmm. you're going to make it like the battle is over. Yeah. You know, now poor Pheidippides, he dropped dead on the spot after <laughs> running that far. So a little encouragement <laughs> yeah. for everybody out there training for the marathon right now. Uh-huh. Yeah, you got that coming, but. Um, <laughs> Be practicing. Yeah. Yeah. You yeah, better he didn't have finish, a good training, training plan. Training. <laughs> yeah. But, but like what he's, what he was doing was he was announcing the good news, but the mm-hmm. reason that that was such good news was because they knew what would happen mm-hmm. if that Persian army came. Yeah, like they they yeah. knew it was on the other side of it, and so mm-hmm. like they, they knew yeah. what they had been set free from. They knew what they had been saved from, mm-hmm. and that's why the good news was so good. And I think I think for us, like when you understand the the depth of sin, the the reality of the brokenness in the world, and the way that sin warps and distorts and breaks everything, yeah, when you really see that then you really understand, wow, like this is mm-hmm. what Christ has done for me. And th- this is what, I, man, like you, you can really appreciate the goodness of the good news. So yeah. that, that's, that's one level of the answer. I think the other, the other level of the answer to that, um, I, I've been listening to some stuff this week, like uh, our culture, so in traditional cultures, historically, mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> the emphasis was always on, like uh, traditional cultures would always say, that um, the primary problem in society is people had too high self-esteem. Mm-hmm. Like if you thought too highly of yourself, that that's what made you a threat to society. Mm. And so you would tell people like, no, that's bad. You know, mm. and, and you would point that out. Our culture right now, we're the first culture in the history of the world to think that really the problem is that we have too low self-esteem. Mm. You know, like our problem is we think too lowly of ourselves. Yeah. Now, <clears throat> And that's just, that's just uh, it's universally accepted in our culture. Like mm-hmm. everybody, everybody believes like, no, your problem is like, you don't think highly enough of yourself. You need, you need to build yourself up. You need to, you need to think about how great a person you are. Yeah. You know, like if you go to therapy, like that's what they're gonna, that's what they're gonna mm-hmm. teach you. What's really interesting about that is that all the, there, there have been several, there have been some recent uh, research studies done on the effects of low self-esteem. And across the board, they all say, <laughs> Low self-esteem does not lead to any sort of uh, major problems in society. All mm. the major problems in society, they come from people who think too highly of themselves. Mm. And so like the very ethic of our culture that says, hey, don't tell people they're bad um, is very misguided and that it, it's, it's not accurate. It, do, it, doesn't, it doesn't fix the pathologies and problems that are around us. Yeah. Um, people who think too highly of themselves, they're the ones who end up going and causing a lot of damage in the world. And wow. so yeah. I think we need a corrective on that to mm-hmm. where we realize, hey, and I think Romans is gonna give, it, give this to us. It's gonna show us, hey, we, um, we, fall, we all have sinned and we fall mm-hmm. short of the glory of God. But wow, look at the grace of God in Christ. Look at what he has done for us. He yeah. has saved us, not because of anything we have done, but because of his perfect love and grace and mercy. Mm-hmm. And that's what we need. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, thanks for being with us today. Yeah, it's a joy. Thanks for having me on. Thanks for asking great questions. It's fun. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode. If you have a question you want us to answer, be sure to text PODCAST to 62953, and maybe your question will make it live next week. We will be joined by Jackson Crumb next week, so be sure to tune in then. Have a wonderful week.